Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 16 of 365 Days. So where we left off, they walked around telling everyone they were engaged and then in the next chapter they got engaged. So that's where we're at. And then they had a night in without banging each other's brains out because they did it earlier that day. They had a bit of afternoon delight around 4pm. And then because they didn't have sex one night, Laura's like, wow, this is what being engaged is like, just having a night cuddling. How crazy. And now it's the next morning or it's any other morning. I'm I'm not too clear. It could be the next morning. Who knows? And she's got to get up because they need to go on that tour with Massimo because he's got busy mafia work. God, it's unclear what his job is, isn't it? Like, I know he's a mob boss. But like, what's he doing? He's acting like he's Princess Di and Charles on a little world tour going to Australia. You know that episode of The Crown when they go to Australia and everything on the little world tour and they hate each other, but they're dating because they have to. I tell you what, I love The Crown. Half the time, I don't know what's going on. Don't understand what's happening. I'm paying half the attention to it, but, but I love it. And I tell you what, that Princess Di, wasn't she a firecracker? Wasn't she? A firecracker. What am I talking about, guys? I'm frazzled. I'm in lockdown. I'm frazzled. I just spilled water all over my desk. I had to save the microphone. So if I sound weird, I mean, get over it. There's water everywhere. So she's out of bed. She gets ready. And then Massimo's sitting on the couch with a laptop on his knees and a cell phone in his hand. So he's doing the double screen thing, which we all do. Every now and then I'm, I'm known to be double screening. And he's wearing... Clothes she'd gotten used to, a black shirt and dark pants. Well, ah, isn't that just something different? How worthy of note that the man in black is wearing black. Oh boy. And she's actually, I guess, around a corner, peeking around a wall. And she's playing with the ring on her finger and she's watching him. And she's thinking, oh, that's going to be my husband and I'll spend the rest of my life with him. I mean, he's headed for an early grave. Like, I know he just faked his death. You almost die every chapter with your heart condition. I mean, are we really expecting that the rest of your life with him will be that long? I mean, he's a mob boss for Pete's sake. She says one thing's for sure. This wouldn't be an ordinary, boring life. More like a gangster movie sprinkled with some porn. And yeah, I mean, she she pegged that one. That sounds exactly right. So... 
she goes and gets dressed. She's wearing clothes that she thinks will match his look. So she's wearing dark grey high-waisted pants and impossibly high stilettos that were hidden beneath the loose pants, which made her look taller and thinner. So high stilettos hidden beneath the loose pants. They must be some really long pants. And they're high-waisted pants, so I guess they're high-waisted low-ankled because they're covering her impossibly high stilettos. How long's this piece of fabric? And then to top off the outfit, she picked a cashmere sweater in a brighter hue of grey. So let me get this straight. She wants to find an outfit that would, and I quote, fit his attire. So what does she do to match the man in black? She dresses all grey. He's not the man in grey, babe. Why are you wearing all grey to match the man wearing all black? That don't make no lick of sense. And so Massimo looks at her and he gets turned on and he says, I hope those pants aren't hard to take off and don't crumple easily. Otherwise, you might end up looking a little less ritzy when we arrive. What a wordy, overcomplicated, come on. Just say, oh, you look nice in those pants. Not, oh, wow, I hope they don't crumple easily and you've packed a travel iron. Like, so so much attention is paid to these high-waisted pants already in this chapter. And I I just know it's going to be a doozy. And she says, well, your Ferrari isn't suited to what you're suggesting. We can't bang in the car because I'd be distracted by your bodyguards and the Ferrari's just too comfortable. And he says, who said we're taking the Ferrari? And then he fishes out another car key from the drawer. This drawer of magic that just produces car keys willy-nilly. How many different car keys have been drawn from that drawer? Multiple. It just replenishes itself. There's always a new car key in a drawer. And who's storing car keys in a drawer? So they go down the elevator with his security team. So it's quite cramped, she says. And then they go into the garage. The security team, they go into two BMWs that are parked in the garage. And then he clicks the clicker. And another car's blinking. In response to the clicker. So I know, I know he sort of mentioned the other day that like all the cars in the garage were his, but it sort of seems like that's not hyperbole. All the cars in this garage are his. Who else lives in this building? And do they not drive? Or did he just buy out the whole building? Surely not. I mean, we know they have a receptionist in the foyer and like a doorman. I don't know, but I guess they're all catching the bus because there's no room in the garage for all of Massimo's vehicles. And this one's a Porsche Panamera Parmigiana. It's a Porsche Parmigiana, and apparently that's a cool car. And its windows are tinted, so she's like, oh, good, so we can bang in the car. So they get in the car and he says, every couple dozen miles, I'll fuck you on the back seat. So I hope you like the car. What? I mean, that's crazy. And she says... (laughs) Haha, <laughs> it's nearly 400 miles. You think you'll manage that much fucking? And he laughed and he's like, don't provoke me or I'll fuck you twice as many times. So is he saying every six miles he's going to bang her? I mean, that just doesn't sound accurate. They'll never get there in time. It's 400 miles away and every 12 or six, depending on her attitude, every 12 or six miles he wants to pull over, bang her and then get back on the road. What if you hit traffic? I mean, you may as well fly at this point. 400 bucks, every, every 12 miles he's going to stop and bang her. Crazy. And I'm thinking, of course, that's just all talk. It's not actually going to happen. But she says, we spent the drive to Shedzitzin. 
S-Z-C-Z-E-C-I-N. These Polish towns, they're not messing about with their consonants, are they? So they spent the drive to Szczytzyn, talking, fooling around and having sex in parking lots in the forests alongside the road, acting like teenagers who borrowed a car from their parents, bought an extra large pack of condoms and set out on an adventure. So they are actually committing to the whole every 12 miles thing. And she says they're specifically banging in parking lots in the forests alongside the road. How many parking lots in a forest can there be alongside of a main road? I mean, I mean, really. I mean, really here. You don't really expect parking lots to be accompanying forests all the time. And it's not just once, because she does say plural, parking lots in the forests. So they're they're having sex in parking lots in the forest. And she says each time they pulled over, the security details stopped at a distance to give them plenty of privacy and freedom. So what good's a security detail if they're stopping at a distance and not keeping an eye on them? Like, that's the whole point of a security detail is to keep an eye on them, but uh, it doesn't fit into his roadmap of every 12 miles they're banging. And then she says, we spent the next couple of days in Sijitsitsitsin and Massimo had a multitude of meetings and she just went to the day spa. A multitude of meetings? What's he doing? And she says, we ate together, slept together and woke up together. And I guess that's romantic. And then on Wednesday, they're going back to Warsaw Unclear if they're stopping every six miles or 12 miles. And her mum calls. And her mum's like, I hope you remembered your cousin's wedding on Saturday. And she says, which is like a Polish swear word because her mum says, you watch your language, Laura Beale. And Massimo, of course, can't speak Polish, but he does know the swear word. So even he's like, huh, what's going on? And then her mum just after saying, what's your language, says, judging by that terse exclamation, dear, I gather you've forgotten. Well, let me remind you then, the wedding is at four, but try to arrive a bit earlier. What an exposition dump that is. Oh, it's, it sounds like you've forgotten. And, and let me just remind you, for the reader's sake, what the specific details are. This is not naturalistic dialogue. Judging by that terse exclamation, no one speaks like that. Maybe in Poland they do, but where I'm from, no one speaks like that. And Laura's like, well, actually, of course I remembered. And I'm going to bring someone as well. And then there's silence. And she says, I had a pretty good idea of what I was going to hear next. And her mum says, who? And she thinks, yup, just as I suspected. Oh, good work, Inspector Perot. You guessed that she was going to ask who you're bringing when you said you were bringing someone. Like, isn't that just the natural thing to ask someone? Oh, I'm bringing someone. Oh, who? And she's like, ah, just as I thought, she wants to know who I'm bringing. Well, yeah. And also the wedding's this Saturday. I'm pretty sure you can't just randomly bring a plus one unless that's been arranged with like the bride beforehand. You can't just randomly tack on a plus one when you haven't been invited to have a plus one. Of course, Laura doesn't think that the rules apply to her. And she says, I met someone in Sicily. We work together. I'd like to bring him with me as he's in Warsaw for training right now. And then she says, will that be enough data for you? Or do you need me to send you a birth certificate too? Which is just very catty, considering all her mum said was, who? 
Who? Question mark. One word, three letters, and she's like, oh, what do you want, a birth certificate? What kind of data do you need, mum? I'm sick of this bloody interrogation. Mate, she just said who? And her mum's like, all right, have it your way. See you on Saturday. And she hangs up. And I hope she's going to go up to Laura's cousin and be like, hey, set up an extra spot at Laura's table. We've got a plus one on our hands and she's going to have to call the caterer and get another piece of chicken or something arranged. I mean, it's Saturday before the wedding. These things are planned well ahead of time, but she's too good for an RSVP. And she also hasn't run this past Massimo, by the way. This is a very busy man with very busy mafia business to attend to. Lots of meetings. Not sure who with or what about, but he's got lots of meetings and she's just volunteered him to come to a wedding on Saturday. And she's like, hmm, how do I tell Massimo he's just about to meet my parents? And she's looking at him and he's like thinking what's wrong. So he takes the first ramp off the highway and parks the car. And I'm assuming his security detail are like, oh God, not again. They're thinking, oh, we'll never get back to Warsaw. This is going to take us forever if they keep stopping every 12 miles to bang. Those poor guys must be exhausted. They're like, oh God, not another parking lot in the forest. At least stop at a set of servo so we can get a slushy and, and a chocolate bar. So he pulls over and he says, I'm listening. And he's frowning. Oh no, actually the security detail, they get out. The two black BMWs stop. They get out. One of them approaches the car and Massimo rolls down the window and says something in Italian. And so then they just go back to their car and smoke a cigarette. I don't know why we need to know this, but I guess he said to them, oh, guys, stand down. We're not banging. You can still keep an eye out in this instance. And she says, oh, it's my cousin's wedding on Saturday. We need to go. And he's like, oh, that's it. (laughs) I thought something must have happened. I need to start learning Polish after all. I, I tend to misinterpret some situations if I only understand the swearing. Yeah, I mean, perhaps you could try and make an effort to learn Polish since it seems like you're living here now. You have 800 cars in the garage. You seem pretty settled. Maybe pick up a little Polish dictionary. Maybe download Duolingo. I mean, make an effort. And Laura, dramatic Laura, she says, this is going to be a catastrophe. You don't know my mum. She'll pelt you with questions. Just like she did with Laura on the phone when she said, who? (laughs) One word, three letters, one question mark. Pelt you with questions. Like, calm down, Laura. Like, God. And she's like, oh, and I'll have to be there to translate as the only foreign language she knows is Russian. And you can tell she's like, ugh, what a hassle. Aren't you going to be there anyway, Laura? And Massimo's like, Laura, calm down. Of course I speak Russian. I also speak German, French, Italian, and English. It's going to be okay. And she's like, wow, that's a lot of languages. So I think if you know Italian, English, Russian, German, and French... It would be pretty easy to pick up Polish. So you could make a bit of an effort. Like all those, all those languages are all the same anyway, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't mean that flippantly. Like they all have the same like root in Latin or some bullshit. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying you could pick it up. It's like if you speak Dutch, you practically know German as well. Like that kind of a thing. I'm pretty sure he could piece together some words of Polish if he just attempted it. But also, he thinks he's got such a good education. He's bragging that he speaks Italian, English, Russian, German, French. And I'm like, bitch, what about Spanish? You didn't think that would come in handy? What about Mandarin? Huh? He's clearly not not leaving Europe on his little mafia business. That's for sure. So they get to the apartment. Massimo pulls up and he's like, you go upstairs. I got to go talk to Paolo. And I'm like, who the fuck's Paolo? But I guess he's one of the bodyguards. 
And so she takes her bag and goes up to the elevator, discovers that it's out of order. So she has to take the stairs. I imagine she's lugging up her her baggage. And then she gets to the ground floor and she stops and her jaw drops. The lobby was filled with hundreds of flowers, white roses. And she's thinking, oh God, no. How did she end up in the lobby when she's in the stairwell? Just keep walking up, babe. Hey, babe, the elevator's out of order. Just keep walking up. I don't know why you have to enter the lobby to go back into the stairwell to keep going up the stairs. But anyway, she does. And the receptionist, see, I told you they have a receptionist in this building. So clearly she can't be the only one that lives there. And the receptionist is like, oh, these flowers are for you. And she's panicked. And she says, the elevator's down. He'll have to go through here. Meaning the lobby, meaning Massimo's gonna find the flowers. Unclear why he has to go through the lobby. Just keep going up the stairwell, Massimo. Just keep going up. But I guess, I don't know the layout. I don't know the layout, but she's freaking out about the roses. And the receptionist is like, what the hell are you talking about? So she snatches up one of the cards on the bouquets and it says, I won't give up. And she's like, fucking shit. And she's crumbling that in her hand. And you can tell she's, she's freaking out. But then Massimo comes in and he sees the roses and he's like, oh, here we go. And before she can say anything, he's storming out. So she had a little freak out leaning against the wall. And then she's running up the stairs three at a time. I guess she left her bags downstairs in the lobby. The receptionist can keep an eye out on that. So she gets into the apartment and then she grabs the key to the BMW from the table. Another BMW. How many cars is attached to this apartment? Just keys everywhere. And then she's running back downstairs, getting to the garage to drive the BMW over to Martin's place. And she's calling Martin on the way and she's like, where are you? And he's like, I see my present was more to your liking this time. So he's thinking he's killing it. He's like, you know what? The white lilies didn't do it for her. I know what'll seal the deal. White roses. And it's like, mate, if the white lilies didn't work, what makes you think white roses will seal the deal? Maybe try a different approach. Martin's an idiot. And she's like, where are you? Where are you? And he's like, God, why are you yelling? Just, I'm at, I'm at home. And she's thinking, oh no. And she's like, get out of there right now. Get out of there. Meet me at McDonald's. <laughs> oh, this book. And he's like, geez, you must have really liked those flowers, huh? And then he's like, well, you know, we can order sushi. He's like, McDonald's for a reunion? That's a bit, that's a bit bogan. And she's like, Martin, for fuck's sake. And he's like, oops, the intercom's buzzing. Someone's at the door, probably the food delivery. I'll be there soon. So he just said, we can order sushi. And then the door chimes and he's like, that'll be the food delivery. And I'm like, how quickly did you order that sushi? How quickly? You got Uber Eats on speed dial, Martin, jeepers. Which makes me think that he's already ordered food. But if that's the case, why is he offering up to order sushi or entertaining the idea of going to Macca's? Just say, oh, Laura, I've just ordered some Uber Eats. Come on up and have a nibble. And also, if it's Massimo, why are you using the intercom, Massimo? Just storm up there. (laughs) What's Massimo going to say on the intercom? Uh, let me in. Um, I want to kill you. So just if you could just buzz me up, that'd be great. And Martin's like, sure. So Martin hangs up to answer the food delivery that he probably hasn't even ordered food for, by the way. And she starts calling him again and again, but he's not answering. And she said she'd never been this scared in her entire life. It was all her fault. And she says, when I arrived, I left the car in the middle of the street and sprinted to Martin's apartment block. So, I mean, if she has to sprint to the apartment block, she's not arrived. If She's clearly not there yet. She's down the street. But also she just left the car in the middle of the street. She didn't even park. She didn't even pull over. 
What an inconvenience for the people of Warsaw to be to be stuck on this street driving around her car. And she didn't even park out the front because she's got to sprint to the apartment block. Ugh, she's so inconsiderate. So she knows the code, so she doesn't need to intercom and pretend to be Uber Eats. And she gets up there and inside she sees Massimo's men. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And she's like, oh no. And she feels all her strength abandoning her and she's sliding to the floor. So uh, she's having another hard episode. Another hard episode. And Martin is alive and Massimo's there too. And they're like, oh no, are you okay? The man in black, he's saying, where are your pills? Laura, where are your pills? And Martin's like, oh, I have some right here, which is lucky. (laughs) So Martin just goes and gets her pills and shoves them down her throat. She's having this heart episode quite a lot. Like, wouldn't you carry around your pills if you're going to die just whenever you're stressed? Like, I think that would kind of be an appropriate reaction. Like, you know, people who are allergic tend to travel with EpiPens. And if she's going to have a heart episode every time she's feeling a little bit anxious, I'd carry your pills with you. But also, that operation she had, that I think was probably a dream, it didn't really do anything, did it? Pretty shit operation if she's having heart episodes on a consistent, timely basis. And I guess Massimo's jealous of the fact that Martin has the pills in the house, but she's like, let me talk to him. You promised me I trusted you. And Massimo's like, fine. Well, you guys can go and talk in Polish. I won't understand anyway, but I'll be sure he doesn't touch you. So I guess he's still going to watch their conversation. I mean, he could request that they speak in English. 
I mean, if he's going to be a controlling boyfriend, she may as well commit to the bit. But this is just more proof that he needs to learn Polish. And, and Spanish and Mandarin while he's there. And, and maybe even Arabic. And so much for resting after almost dying, she pushes herself up and groggily walks over to Martin. <laughs> and he's like, oh, how you feeling? Oh, and Massimo took the chair by the aquarium. So not a fish tank, a whole aquarium. Martin's got a whole aquarium in the apartment. I mean, Martin's a baller. Maybe she should have stuck with Martin. And Martin's like, how you doing? And she's like, well, you want to know the truth? I'm furious with both of you. I want to kill you both. What were you thinking, Martin? And I mean, the whole point that you hear is so that he doesn't die. To say that you want to kill him is a bit counterproductive. And Martin's like, I'm doing what I thought you wanted. I'm fighting for you. Didn't you say you wanted me to fight for you? Give you more attention? And he says, besides, I think you owe me some sort of explanation. For example, who are those armed men? And what is this Italian prick doing in my house? (laughs) Martin, great point. Great question. And she says, you cheated on me and I can never forgive that. And she says, and that man sitting in that armchair over there (laughs) by the aquarium, he's my future husband. And she says, I knew those words would hurt him, but it was the only way to ensure that he lived. And Martin's like, ah, so that's what it's about. You wanted to get married. And he says, and because I didn't propose, you found yourself some Italian gangster. You took your man on vacation only to find yourself another one. That's fucking evil. (laughs) Well, no, Martin. I mean, of all the evil things in the world, going on a vacation with your man to find yourself another one, I mean, that ranks pretty low. I mean, it's a bit of a dick move, but is it evil? And Massimo couldn't understand what he said, but he didn't like the tone, so he pulls out a gun and puts it on his knees. (laughs) Which is just not a way to de-escalate things. So that's when she decides to switch to English so that they both can understand her. I mean, great idea, Laura. Why didn't you start with that? And she's like, I'm in love, get it? I don't want to be with you anymore. You cheated on me and humiliated me. You acted like a bastard on my birthday. Blah, blah, blah. Don't want to see you again. And I've had it with both of you, so you guys can kill each other if that's what you want. But I decide what to do with my life, so both of you fuck off. Blah, blah, blah. And then she storms out. And Massimo's calling out to his security guards in the corridor to follow her. But she says, I was faster, though. And I knew the neighborhood. So she gets to her car and she drives off, leaving them behind. I mean, I really really doubt that she got the jump on these two security guards. And also I doubt that her car wasn't towed in the meantime while she was up in that apartment because she did park in the middle of the street. And her phone kept buzzing while she's driving off and the screen displayed unknown number. And she's like, oh, I bet it's Massimo, but I don't want to talk to him right now. So she turns the phone off. Babe, he's your fiance now. You can save the number in your phone. Like, I think we're at that stage. And she's like, you know what? I'll go to Olga's place because she's my best friend. Even though I haven't talked about her in days and I never mentioned her until chapter 13, she's my bestie. And Olga is standing there in the doorway looking like she had survived an epic hangover. And she says, you're alive. And then she's plodding back inside. And she's like, come in. My head's going to explode. I got totally trashed last night. Olga, what a life you lead. She says she'd been partying with that blonde guy from the club since Saturday. She says, I think the poor bastard fell in love or something. Can't seem to stop calling me. And Laura's not engaging. She's sitting down looking pale because I guess she did almost die because she had a, had a whole situation with her heart condition. And 
And Olga says like the greatest line of the book so far. She says, you're as pale as Dominique's calves. <laughs> Which it sounds like a great inside joke. But Olga couldn't really leave it there because she's like, oops, someone's reading this book and they don't get all our inside jokes and references, so I better explain it. So she says, remember that girl we used to go to school with? <laughs> the pale one? <laughs> You're as pale as Dominica's calves. Poor Dominica. Poor, poor Dominica. Just the butt of every joke. But like, to pick on something pale about someone is if you pick calves. Maybe shins, but calves? <laughs> as pale as Dominica's calves. Remember her, that girl we went to school with? Just to clarify, I'm talking about the Dominica from school, not any other Dominica that you may know. Ah, <laughs> uh, Olga, always looking out for us, the reader, to explain the inside jokes. But Laura's like, oh, I better tell you something. I've been lying to you. I don't live at a friend's apartment, and I didn't just meet anyone in Italy which seems pretty obvious, but Olga indulges her. So she says she told the whole story and it took her the better part of two hours. And when she finished, she fished out her engagement ring from a pocket and put it on her finger. Don't know why it was in a pocket. And she says, this is the proof. Now you know everything. And Olga's gaping at the jewelry and she says, holy fuck. What you said was something straight out of a thriller, an erotic one at that. What you said was something straight out of a thriller. An erotic thriller. So I guess that was a wink to the reader as well. And she says, what happened to Martin? And Laura says, Jesus girl, I don't even want to think about it. Why are you asking me this? Um, maybe because where you left off in the story, Massimo was going to kill him in his apartment. I mean, it's kind of a fair question. Laura hates being questioned. Even when they're the obvious questions. And so they're just sitting there in silence and Olga's like, well, fuck this. So she gets her phone. She rings Martin and puts him on speaker. And then Martin answers and says, what do you want, you nymphomaniac? (laughs) Horrible way to greet someone. This was your ex-girlfriend's best friend. Clearly there was bad blood. And she's like, oh, I'm looking for Laura. Do you know where she is? And Martin's like, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want anything to do with her anymore. Goodbye. And he hangs up and they both explode with laughter. I'm unclear on how that's funny, but they both explode with laughter. And Laura's like, ha 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 ha, he's alive at least. And she can't stop her nervous giggling. And I was like, mate, you just ran across town, parked illegally to try and save this guy's life. And now you're laughing like it's hilarious. And Olga's like, oh, well that settles it. How about you stay the night? And then there's a knock at the door. And Olga's like, at this hour? But she opens the door and it's Massimo, of course. And he's standing in the doorway, staring at Laura and Laura's not saying anything back. And Olga's like, this is awkward. Um, should you say something? (laughs) Olga, always keeping the plot moving forward. Thank God for Olga. And Laura says, what are you doing here? And how did you find me? And he says, the car has GPS tracking in case it gets stolen. Besides, I know where your best friend lives. So he knew about Olga, even though we didn't know about Olga. I guess, I guess she talked about Olga while, while they were in Sicily. Uh, Unclear. Also GPS tracking. I mean, she's got a tracker in her arm. Uh, He could have just used that, but no, the the car has a tracker as well. (sighs) Just seems overly complicated. What's the point of implanting your girlfriend with a tracker in her arm while she's asleep? if you're not going to use it to track her. Like, I'm sorry, I'm a simple guy. 
if you're going to install Chekhov's implant, maybe use Chekhov's implant. And he's like, oh, where are my manners? Better introduce myself. Hi, Olga. And she's like, I know who you are. Laura told me. And the way she described you leaves no room for interpretation. Unsure what that means, Olga, but yeah, sure. So Laura gets off the couch. She grabs the car keys because, oh, in this chapter, everyone's grabbing car keys at some point. And she says, see ya, Olga. Let's meet for lunch tomorrow. And she says, go and fuck his brains out for me. He's even hotter than you said. Olga is so supportive. We all need a friend like Olga. And she says, ask him if he has a friend looking for some company. (laughs) Ah, classic Olga. So she gets in the car and then Massimo gets into the passenger seat and she's like, where's the Porsche? And he says, Paolo took it home. I don't care. Ah, we're getting so much detail on what car we're in, where the car's going, what type of Parmigiana Porsche it is, which key belongs to which car. Like, I just, I don't care. And then she's pressing the ignition button and started driving. Like, okay, yeah, I I don't care what buttons you're pressing. And they don't speak the whole way home. And then they get back to the apartment. Massimo says, does your friend know who I am? Did you tell her everything? Well, well, yeah. I mean, Olga pretty much admitted as much. And she says, yes, Massimo, I've had enough of the lies. I can't live like that. Back in Italy, sure. But here, these are my people. I can't lie to them. It makes me feel like shit. And he's like, well, that's great because we're going back to Sicily after the weekend anyway. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow your roll. She says, maybe you're going back, but I'm not going anywhere. Besides, you owe me an apology. And then he's shaken with fury. Like, oh, how dare she? How dare she ask for an apology and not want to be carried over international borders? And he's like, look, I didn't kill him. What are you blaming me for? And she's like, yeah, I know you didn't. We rang him. He told Olga that he's not bothering with me anymore and he wants nothing to do with me. And Massimo's like, well, it would be strange if he still hoped to get back with you after what I told him. And then he disappears off to the bedroom and I guess she's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. That's all in the past. And then he's wrapped in a towel lying on bed watching TV. And she's staring at him thinking, God, he's the perfect man, an alpha male, a guardian and defender. For the rest of the world, he was an unpredictable and dangerous mobster. Well, he's kind of unpredictable and dangerous when he's with you as well, babe, but okay. She's like, it was strange and exciting, but am I able to cope with this in the long run? Blah, blah, blah. And then Massimo's like, Laura, we need to talk. You rejected my call today and then turned your cell phone off. I'd like that to remain the first and last time. This is about your safety. If you're not in the mood to talk to me, pick up and tell me. Don't make me do things such as tracking you. And in her defense, she didn't have your number saved in her phone. So, I mean, she she could play dumb. She didn't know it was you calling her technically. But she's thinking about what that, what that mob wife Monica said. And she's like, he's right. So she walks over to the bed, allowing the towel she's wearing to fall to the floor because I guess she's wearing a towel. So she's standing in front of him naked, but he's not even looking at her. So I guess he's watching the TV and that makes her so angry. She says, fuming with anger, I threw myself onto the bed, turned my back on him and fell asleep nearly instantaneously. Now, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I've been angry, I can't fall asleep instantaneously, but she is. I called BS. But then she's woken up by a gentle touch on her clitoris. Oh boy. She says she felt two fingers, blah, 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 blah. And then she's waking up. 
that's not consensual. And then she's like, what are you doing? And he says, I need to get inside you. I'll go crazy if I don't. And she says, I don't want you to. And he says, I know, and impaled her. So she said, I don't want you to. And he said, "Uh uh-huh, and? And then he impaled her straight away. Like, this guy is nuts. And then he's just, he's banging her. He's banging her in the bed. And she says, his touch woke me up, stoking the passion inside me. Like, you're already awake, Laura. You told me you woke up three paragraphs earlier, but now she's awake again. And she's starting to sway her hips with the rhythm, as she does. And he says, don't move. And that pisses her off. She's like, you don't wake me up, make me feel horny, and then order me to lie still like a piece of driftwood. So she gets off him. Then she sits astride him and she says, you'll feel me deeper and faster. So she's riding him and she says, I'm going to fuck you this time. Which, I mean, what's the difference? What's the difference, Laura? I mean, so then there's, you know, all that stuff that they do to each other happening. And then she's slapping him while she's orgasming. And then he's like, I'm not going to come because we left the condoms back in the car. So she's like, fine, I'll do it with my mouth, etc., etc." And then she's finding a remote on the bedside table. So she presses the button on it because she loves pressing buttons and the LED lights under the bed lit up. How fun. And then he says, you're a pervert, Laura. And she's like, yeah. As she's licking the jizz from her lips. And she says, yeah, didn't your visions of me have anything sexual about them? And he's like, yeah, but I always fucked you, not the other way around. So I guess that blew his mind that she said she fucked him. I mean, what's the difference? I don't know what the difference is. And she says, yeah, sometimes I like to be in control. I usually prefer to be the slave. Slave? I mean, when did we get into that? But she's saying she's a slave. Oh, I don't know. And then she says, I'm not perverted. I'm kinky. There's a difference. Which, okay, go off, sis. And he says, great. Well, you're perverted, promiscuous, absolutely debauched, and thankfully mine. And that's the end of the chapter. Ugh. What a sour note to end on. And literally for her from what she just swallowed, both his rhetoric and his semen. Where are we, where are we getting at with this plot, by the way? Like there was some dramatic tension with the, with the mob wars, which seems to have just dived off a cliff. The whole 365 days concept is go- has gone out the window. So I don't really know where we're heading, but we're almost, I mean, are we almost done? We're, we have five chapters left, so... <sighs> Who knows what's ahead of us, but man, I can't wait for it to be over. And I'll see you next week for more of the same. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.